Today's reading is taken from Luke 14, verses 1 to 14. Jesus at a Pharisee's house. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honour at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honour, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honoured in the presence of all the other guests. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbours. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for reading that so well. Um, it is so good to be with you uh, this afternoon. So good to be back uh, as we're walking past the, um, where the bikes get locked up. I remember so clearly being berated by Dennis Skinner for lock, not locking up my bike correctly. Um, and all sorts of other memories flying back as well as we're walking around. So um, it is really good to be back. Um, we are going to be looking at uh, these verses in chapter 14 of Luke. If you've got a phone and... Um, a Bible on your phone. You might want to turn it up on your phone um, as well, because we might, well, we will be looking at a few verses as well um, after verses uh, 1 to 14 um, as well. But let me, let me um, start off with a prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts, Lords, be pleasing to you, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. So Donald Trump, okay, once famously said, he said, show me someone with no ego and I'll show you a big loser. <laughs> now, regardless of your politics, um, I think it would be fair to say that Donald Trump kind of walked his talk. Um, when asked why people would vote for him, you might know this quote, he replied, maybe because I'm so good looking. And today we're looking at uh, Luke chapter 14, 
And Jesus has just disclosed in the previous chapter, in chapter 13, that getting into heaven is a bit like going through a narrow door. Narrow because not everyone will go through the door. And he's been making it very clear through the gospel so far that this is a door you want to go through. And this is generally no comment on Donald Trump, okay, so please don't mishear me. But our passage today shows us that a big ego might just stop you from fitting through the narrow door. Because you see in this passage that we had read to us, Jesus effectively tells us, thinking of yourself the least is the mark of someone at the heavenly feast. I'll say that again. Thinking of yourself the least is the mark of someone at the heavenly feast. And just to be clear, this isn't thinking kind of less um, or more of yourself, but thinking less about yourself. Our passage starts in verse 1, uh, in the house of a prominent Pharisee. And Pharisees were basically uh, just strictly religious people. And Jesus is having a meal with them. And Luke tells us Jesus is being carefully watched which basically means he's not amongst friends. The people at the dinner party are wanting to kind of catch him out. But of course the irony in this passage is that Jesus is the one who really kind of catches them out. And he does this by identifying four different kind of types of characters in the room. Each of these four are kind of variations of people who are overly focused on themselves. And remember, that's a problem because thinking of yourself the least is the mark of someone at the heavenly feast. So, uh, let's just go through each character in turn, as Jesus does. So, character portrait, number one, self-interested. Self-interested. We see this in verses three to six. We see Pharisees who are self-interested. And you can kind of imagine the scene, can't you? Jesus is having his meal, he's having a sip of wine, when suddenly a man with weird swellings all over his body arrives in front of him. And he's got a condition called dropsy, um, over 10 years ago, so actually not too long before I started working here, I had a, a thought, I um, had a, 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 a sort of the nice idea of having a, um, a pet fish. And I uh, went out and bought a fish tank, I bought my goldfish. Has anyone got a goldfish? No, okay. Um, and uh, I named him Blue Steel because he was always pouting, and if you like Zoolander, you'll know why. And after a couple of weeks, Blue Steel started getting swellings all over his body. And within the fortnight, Blue Steel was dead. Um, the pouting was no more. Dropsy, Dropsy had killed Blue Steel. And back in this passage, we are confronted with someone with nasty swellings. He's got Dropsy, and therefore uh, the prospect of death looms. And what this man in front of Jesus, um, sorry, that's what this man in front of Jesus is dealing with. So the question is, what's Jesus going to do? The Pharisees know that Jesus has the power to heal the sick. He's been doing it already in Luke's Gospel. But the Pharisees, remember, are self-interested. They don't care two hoots about this sick man. They don't like Jesus, so they set the trap. Here's the trap. They want to see, if, is Jesus going to heal this man on the Sabbath? Which might make us think, who cares? <laughs> Why, who cares if he's healing someone on the Sabbath? But for the self-interested Pharisees, they believed healing on the Sabbath would mean breaking God's law given to Moses way back in the Old Testament. In other words, Jesus would become a lawbreaker in their eyes if he was to heal this man. 
Uh, Jesus knows these people are self-interested. Take a look at verse 5, if you've got it open in front of you. Jesus says, then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And of course, their answer is, yes, we would. These Pharisees pretended to be strictly religious, but they're willing to bend the rules for themselves. The Pharisees are self-interested. Jesus, on the other hand, is self-giving, isn't he? So Jesus heals the man with dropsy and sends him on his way. Character portrait, number one, self-interested. And I think as we think about applying this to ourselves, I think the temptation, certainly is with me, is to kind of imagine or think of the Pharisees as kind of um, like pantomime villains. You know, when a Pharisee comes along, you go, boo, he's a Pharisee, boo. But the truth is, this type of self-interest Well, we see it all the time, don't we? Even amongst those who attend church services, even chapel services, it's the person who says with their lips one thing, but with their hands, their feet, their bodies do something completely different. Um, One commentator puts it like this, any number of people today will claim to be Christian while denying what Christ says. They ought to be and will rest content with believing in a religion which they have neither the patience nor the courage to follow through to its conclusions. In other words, the person who says they love Jesus, but then willingly, unashamedly, unrepentantly disobeys Jesus. And please don't mishear me on this. We all make mistakes all the time. I do every single day. But this type of self-interested person intends to ultimately follow themselves rather than Jesus. And remember, that's a problem because thinking of yourself the least is the mark of someone at the heavenly feast. Character portrait number two, self-serving, self-serving. The guests in verses 7 to 11 are self-serving. The Euros football tournament in 2016 uh, will be remembered for all sorts of reasons. Uh, England were knocked out by Iceland, if you remember that. But something else happened, something much more devious. Um, Rebecca Vardy the wife of one of England's uh, football players, reportedly ignored her seat allocation and she instead intentionally went and sat behind Mrs Rooney, the wife of the captain, Wayne Rooney. Um, Now, Rebecca Varney took someone else's seat because she knew that by sitting uh, behind uh, Colleen Rooney, she'd be photographed and she wanted to be in shot. And it's kind of a bit of a trivial example, but what Jesus sees in his guests at the dinner party is something similar. People jostling for position, angling for the best spot, desperate to get into camera shot, as it were. At verse 7, we see the guests were picking the places of honour at the table. But self-serving won't do. After telling a story to demonstrate this, see what Jesus says in verse 11. He says, For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. The verse that Mark read to us just a moment ago. In other words, bigging yourself up might mean you don't fit through the narrow door. Self-serving doesn't work in the economy of heaven. And the thing is, that is totally at odds with our culture at the moment, isn't it? Um, In a recent survey, apparently 40% of Brits have admitted to lying on their CV at some point in their career. 
The world tells us, impress for success. And so we crave, don't we? I know this in my heart so much. We crave to be seen with the right people, the right people in the office. I remember uh, you know, this when I was working here. You, know, you want to be sitting and having lunch with the ambitious people, the people who are going to uh, be the next best thing. You know, and our hearts are bursting with pride when we publicly get mentioned by um, our boss, whether it be the MP or a minister, crushed when anything, um, when other people even in the room get praised and we don't. But here's the thing, and I need to hear this first. Self-promotion ultimately leads to self-humiliation. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, we're told. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Because when it comes to going through the narrow door, the door to heaven, thinking of yourself the least is the mark of someone at the heavenly feast. Portrait number three, self-rewarding. In verses uh, 12 to 14, Jesus turns to his hosts, and what he sees there is another variation of being focused on yourself. He sees self-rewarding. I love um, the game Settlers of Catan, the board game. I quite like, I quite like board games. Anyone else plays Settlers of Catan? Hands up, don't be shy. A few? Yeah, a few people. Now, in essence, for those who've played it, you'll know this. The, the, um, the way the game works is you trade and you make deals in order to sort of further yourself in the game. And I remember when I was learning to play this board game, the person teaching me said, you never make a deal unless it's good for you. And so when we play the game, we just try to, you know, we fleece each other, don't we, in the deals. And we all know that that's not just true in board games. It's true in real life. And that's kind of what Jesus is getting at in our passage. The person who invites someone to a party with the intention of them being invited back to their own party, as it were. It's the person who asks, what's in it for me? You know, I'll only vote for this if it looks good for me. I'll only help my colleague with some campaign work or constituency work if my boss sees me do it, that type of thing. Using others for our own gain, self-reward. But you see, that's not a mark of someone at the heavenly feast. Thinking of yourself at least is the mark of someone at the heavenly feast. Finally, portrait number four, self-seeking. In 2021, a study in America found that 84% of Americans believe that the highest goal in life was to enjoy yourself. 86% believed that to enjoy yourself, you must pursue the things that you most desire. And we've all seen it, haven't we? The person who always wants to do what works best for them. The aloof friend who's you know, never committing to things, waiting for a better offer to come in. It's a decision making driven by the question, what's in it for me? What's good for me? And that's precisely what Jesus is addressing in the story he tells um, in verses 15 to 24, which are on, on our service sheets. But in that passage that comes after uh, the words written, uh, typed out um, in our service sheets, we see Jesus describing another banquet. And in this banquet, the food is ready. The, uh, kind of the place names are set, the booze is in the fridge, as it were, and the guests are invited. And now they need to come. But in this banquet, they don't. And as was custom at the time, a reminder goes round to the invited guests. You know, it's ready. The banquet's ready. Come on in. Come in to the banquet. But the guests 
are only interested in what's good for themselves at this banquet. The guests are self-seeking. Their excuses are rubbish. One person says that um, he needs to go and watch a field. <laughs> it's the lamest excuse ever. And then another one, uh, we get told, says he needs to go and try some ox. They know what that means. Jesus is saying um, in this passage that self-seeking is a problem. Self-seeking is a problem if we want to enter through the narrow door to God's heavenly banquet. Thinking of yourself the least is the mark of someone at the heavenly feast. Now, if we were to finish there, I think this this talk would be seriously problematic. In fact, I'd probably go far as to say I think this talk would be fairly toxic. And here's why. The more we realise how much we are like any of those kind of character portraits, the more we'll be tempted to be thinking, I just need to try a bit harder. I'll, I'll try harder today not to be like that character portrait. I'll try harder this week not to be like that. You know, I'll try harder not being self-interested, self-serving, self-rewarding, self-seeking. And here's the huge danger, I think. If we think we can solve the problem, the issue, ourselves, well, I wonder if we're making the very same mistake again. We're looking to ourselves to fix the problem. So what's the answer? Well, this is the beauty of this passage. We need to learn from the poor and the sick in this passage. The sick, like the man with dropsy, he didn't try harder not to be sick. Of course not. No, he came to Jesus. The poor and the hungry, they don't try harder not to be hungry. Of course not. No, they accept the offer of the banquet and they come to the feast. In other words, in order to get through the narrow door, we need to look outside of ourselves for help. We need to look to Jesus. Why? Because, as you have been hearing, if you've been coming uh, along to these chapel uh, services, as you've been going through this gospel, the truth is only Jesus can really fit through the narrow door to the heavenly banquet. Jesus was never, never overly focused on himself. He was the perfect example of humility. From his Christmas birth in a wooden manger to an agonising death on a wooden cross, only Jesus can fit through the narrow door, which means only Jesus can get us through the narrow door to the heavenly banquet. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for you and for me. He paid the price to get us through the narrow door, and the price was his life. At the cross, Jesus took all the mess and all of God's anger for our self-interest, our self-serving, our self-rewarding, our self-seeking. Jesus says, I'll deal with it. Leave it with me. He says, follow me and I will give you the life of the feast in heaven. He says, follow me and I will give you my spirit who will set you free into a life totally and utterly forgiven. He says, follow me and know that you're loved unconditionally. Follow me and you'll know that you can enter through the narrow door. Whatever you've done, whatever you will do today or this week. Because Jesus says, I'm going to take you there. Jesus' invite has no strings attached. You can't do anything to merit it. It's a gift. And it's a gift out of love. 
because he humbled himself in his life and his death for you and for me. He was humbled so we could be exalted. It's not about us. It's all about Jesus. And that's why thinking of yourself at least is the mark of someone at the heavenly feast. Let me pray. Our Heavenly Father, we pray for each person in this room that you would meet each of us where we're at today. No doubt many in this room will be feeling exhausted from their mornings, maybe daunted by what lies in store in the rest of the week. And so I pray, please, with your spirit, imprint these truths on our hearts in such a way that we might be able to live in light of them. Might we look to Jesus? Would we look outside of ourselves? Would we look to the one who humbled himself so that we might be exalted? In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to uh, sing now. Um